So friends, listen to this. sitting in a Presbyterian church a hundred years ago, that's what our congregational singing would sound like. You see, every congregation at the turn of the last century, whether small or large, sang every hymn in four-part harmony. Alto, soprano, tenor, and bass lines blending together to create a rich and layered sound in every hymn. Male and female voices taking off in different tangents, echoing each other, or even singing entirely different tunes. Well, today, today it's a different story, right? I mean, every piece of congregational music that we sing is belted out in one melody line, right? One line. Now, there are always a few brave souls with good ear and some musical training, who try to sing that lonely melody line. I know who you are, right? That lonely harmony, but they are largely drowned out exceptions. Why is that? Well, I have a hunch it has something to do with formalizing musical groups and choirs within the church. And as musical groups and choirs began to sing in church, increasingly part singing was left to those who could best handle it, who were trained, or at least who were rehearsed, right? The richness and the diversity and the color of the sound of congregational singing, well, it became soft and monolithic and actually drowned out by organ and piano most of the time. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the organ, I love the piano, and I really do love the sound of a well-rehearsed choir like ours, okay? But the better this professional music or formalized music becomes in the church, the lousier congregations the singing becomes. It's true. It's almost as if the rest of the church folk have just abdicate responsibility for music because there are, well, better qualified people, right, to handle it. You know, when it comes to music, it's not always a bad idea to leave it to the well-qualified people. I mean, have you ever stood next to someone belting out a song that couldn't carry a tune? It's kind of painful. But here's the problem. This abdication of responsibility, it is creeping into other aspects of our life together. It's creeping into other aspects of the way we live our faith. Not because we're lazy or bad people, but because we believe, we really do believe, that other, more qualified, gifted, or called people will handle church life, will sing that song will teach those children, will welcome those visitors, will invite those neighbors or coworkers to church, 
will financially support the ministry, will study the scriptures, will offer prayer on behalf of the sick or dying or confused, will visit the shut-in. Someone else will handle it. And before you know it, as God's people, we abdicate much, something much more damaging than responsibility for making a joyful noise with music. We abdicate responsibility for one another. We abdicate responsibility for the quality of our life together as a community of faith. Two are better than one, says the wisdom writer of Ecclesiastes. If one falls, the other lifts them up. If one gets cold, the other brings warmth. If one is attacked, the other comes to their aid. And if one is under stress, the other keeps them from breaking. These ancient words of wisdom ring true in my life, and I'll bet they ring true in your life as well. Because we know, we know we need one another. We know how important community can be for our health, for our encouragement, for joy, for purpose. Just think about the last 18 months, how much we missed community. The COVID-19 epidemic, it caused fear, it caused death, it caused conflict. But one of the most devastating effects of these last 18 months has been the isolation, especially for those who are ill, for the elderly and those who live alone. You see, we were built for community. We were meant for community. And we suffer without community. The good news is our God knows this. And that is one part of the good news of the gospel. One important part of the good news of the gospel. That God created a way for us. A way to be warmed and strengthened. Lifted and protected. God sent Christ whose life and teaching created the church, created community, and gave us one another. Love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus. If you love me, then feed my sheep, said Jesus. As you've done it for the least of these, you have done it for me, said Jesus. And in Matthew 18, verse 20, we hear these beautiful words of Jesus. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. When two or three of us are gathered together, Jesus' presence, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' healing, it shines into the world a little brighter. You see, our faith is meant to be lived. It's meant to be sung together. And I know you know this because I see this happen in this church all the time. When church members throw a baby shower for a young singer in your midst, when we as a congregation stand up and promise to help parents raise their children in faith, when empty nesters make a commitment to spend every Sunday morning with children that are not theirs, 
not even grandchildren of theirs. Then Jesus shows up to claim and to bless our little ones. Our faith is meant to be lived, meant to be sung together. When deacons and Stephen ministers reach out to those who are struggling or need healing or feel alone, when a young person shows up to youth group for the very first time and is actually welcomed by their peers, when someone tries to sneak into this sanctuary and sit alone and you will not let them, Jesus shows up with mercy and belonging and peace for the hurting. Our faith is meant to be lived, meant to be sung together. When truck run teams and youth mission trips, prayer groups and shawl knitters gather to serve others, Jesus shows up to empower and multiply that work of compassion. Our faith is meant to be lived, meant to be sung together. The Christian author Rachel Held Evans says it this way in her book, Searching for Sunday. They reminded me that Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It's meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken, and enacted in the presence of other people. They reminded me that try as I may, I can't be a Christian on my own. I need a community. I need the church. I can't be a Christian on my own. That's actually a confession that I have to make to you as well. Because I have tried. Believe me, I moved here to Austin to be a Christian on my own. I tried. I really did. It lasted six months. It, it seemed like it would be so much easier, right? Like it would take less time and energy, that it would be more efficient, right? But our faith, all of our faith, which includes belief and ethics, worship and service, our faith comes to life when we are together, when we stand with one another and those in need, when we witness God at work in our world and in one another, and when we focus together on what God is doing and creating. We are meant to live faith, to sing faith together. And that means everyone matters. Everyone counts. And here's the important part. It means that everyone, each of you, is needed. The Apostle Paul says this, we're all part of one body, Christ's body, and that means everyone has to play their part and no one gets a pass. No one. Your gifts matter and your presence matters. The church is really only as strong in faith as our weakest member. The church is only as caring as our most indifferent believer. The church is only as generous as our most miserly steward. 
And the church will shine forth the love of Jesus Christ in this community to the degree and the brightness of the Christian love in the spirit of our most hard-hearted brother or sister. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. That's what it means that when one person suffers, we all suffer. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one person refuses to show up, we wither. And when one person makes that tentative step forward to use their gifts to serve Jesus Christ, we all must step forward to support and encourage that one to make their gift the very best that can be offered to Christ. Our faith, it's meant to be lived, it's meant to be sung together. There's a small Methodist church in the foothills of North Carolina. It was a sleepy summer morning and there was no choir in the church that day. And the tenor soloist who was to provide the music, well, he got up on the wrong side of the bed. And everyone knew it because the minute he opened his mouth to begin to sing a really familiar hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, he faltered. He faltered, he stumbled, his voice started rising and falling like a sickly old pump organ. As he finished the first verse, the people in the pews of that little church picked up their hymnals and began to thumb through their hymnals to find that familiar hymn, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And as the second verse continued, the congregation began to join the soloist in singing the song, I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. By the third voice, verse, the sound was just reverberating through that small church, rich and full, glorious. And by the fourth verse, well the fourth verse was the most beautiful solo ever heard in that sanctuary. Because by the fourth verse, that faltering tenor had found his breath. He'd found his voice during the congregational singing. And he soared into that fourth verse alone. Ringing out with a clear tone, expressing the emotion and the faith of that music. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches me. That's how it works, my friends. That's what it means to live and to sing the faith together. Two are better than one. If one falls, the other lifts them up. If one gets cold, the other brings warmth. If one is attacked, the other comes to their aid. If one is under stress, the other keeps them from breaking. So, friends... Look around. I really mean it. Look to your left, to your right, to the balcony, to the choir loft. Take a good look because this is the community God has given you to lean on, to lift you up, to warm you, to support you. And these are the people you have the honor the honor 
of allowing to lean on you. The honor of being their courage and their strength. This, this is Christ's gift. May we lean into Christ's love as we lean on one another. And may all God's people say, Amen.